Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers-Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers-Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, it's Jennifer Rogers Markwell and you're joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. Today we're joined by Sabrina Victoria. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Well, tell us all about you, who you are and why you do what you do. I work with female entrepreneurs. I am all about networking, collaborating. I have several groups, um, support groups and masterminds where I help women elevate through networking and collaborating. Uh, A lot of times we're thrown into entrepreneurship and we don't recognize um, that it encompasses so much more than just whatever you're good at. You also have to be an HR person and also a salesperson and also a social media person and a marketing person. So really helping females uh, navigate through that. So the reason I do what I do is because of my story. Um, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. I got pregnant at the age of 20 with no husband, emphasis on the no husband part. And because of that, I was ostracized from everybody and everything I had ever known including my immediate family. So I was basically cast out into the world. Um, and for those of you that know what Jehovah, who Jehovah's Witnesses are and how they operate, operate, they only speak to other Jehovah's Witnesses. They only hang out with other Jehovah's Witnesses. So I had no outside contact with the world. I'm basically just thrown out. And I led this whole stereotypical single mom broke life of no money, um, a rolling balance of a negative $172 in my bank account at any given time car getting repoed out of the parking lot, eviction notices on my apartment door every other month, suicidal thoughts, dealing with postpartum, but didn't know it was postpartum. So literally feeling like I was just the worst, most psycho mother ever because of all these thoughts that are going through my head and um, just wanting to die, just total despair. And I wound up meeting a man who had money, speaking of money, And I thought that he was the answer to my prayers. I thought he was going to be my answer. I thought he was given to me by God. And within a very, very short amount of time, me just being totally naive and totally in a dark place of just no network, no community, no one to ask questions to, um, fell hook, line, and sinker for all of his manipulations. He convinced me to leave my place, which made sense because I couldn't pay my bills, move into his place and be the housekeeper. Um, he convinced me to leave my job and start working for his company. We were going to build an empire together and he was barely paying me anything. So I couldn't pay my bills. So he eventually was like, let me take over your phone. Let me take over your internet. Let me take over your you know, your car, whatever it was. And before I know it, I turn around and I own nothing. I have nothing except for my clothes and my son. Um, I have no control over my money. No, I, I have nothing. Um, and the verbal abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, and obviously financial abuse 
was times 10 as time went on. And one day, eight years in, I'm on the floor in the bathroom, just having a total mental breakdown, just freaking out. For those of you who have ever been in that mindset before, you're like crying and screaming at the same time, just like all emotion is just being drained out of you because you're just feeling so stuck and so hopeless. And I always say Google saved my life. I Googled, why is my boyfriend bullying me? Because I didn't know any other vernacular other than bully. And the entire world of abuse just opened up to me. Financial abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse. And I dove headfirst into personal development. I found my voice. I found my power. I opened up three online secret businesses. I started a secret bank account. And over the course of four years, I collected 50 grand and I literally escaped with my son, our clothes, and my bicycle. I started all over from scratch with a mattress on the floor. I left all that I had built with him over the course of those, you know, 15 years or so of, uh, you know, five houses paid in full, 12 cars paid in full, zero debt, tons in the bank, just left it all behind and started all over again. And what I recognized as I got into entrepreneurship, as I started building out businesses, as I started doing one-on-one coaching was my issue the entire time. No network. No collaborations, no people, no help, um, lack, lack of feeling comfortable or knowing how to talk to strangers because strangers have everything that we need. They have all the answers to all of our questions. So as I started to go down this journey of entrepreneurship, my business slowly just started turning into naturally because it's what I finally had the capability of doing which is getting people who know things that I don't know close to me in order to answer the questions that I have regarding money, regarding business, regarding, you know, how to build, how to entrepreneurship, how to human. And here we are now. What a story. It's been a journey. Yeah. So that's a quite the transformation to go from where you saying that you were to the light that you have now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. If you would have known me uh, back then, I was a shell of a person. I would cry at the drop of a hat. Um, no self-esteem, no confidence, super quiet voice, did not trust myself whatsoever. Um, second guessed myself constantly. So yeah, it has been a lot of work on my end. And that was the biggest thing. A lot of times when we're stuck on a problem, we look at a problem and we want to point blame at everybody else. We're like, it's this person and it's that person. And it's because of him or it's because of her or my parents or my religion or whatever it is. And they want to externally just kind of blame everybody else. But in actuality, it was my fault. It was, I never learned how to find my power. I never learned about finances. I never learned about my voice. I never set boundaries. And when I really started to take internal, um, become self-aware of the issues that I had, the problems that I had, the blame that I had, because at this point I'm older, right? By the time I left, I'm older. Like I need to be diving into who I am as a person. And that was, um, something that I had not done. And that's what a lot of us need to look at. We need to look at, hey, listen, 
it makes sense when you're 17, when you're 21, when you're 23. But there comes a point where you have to look around and you have to say, we can't be blaming everybody anymore. We have to stand up and we got to educate ourselves on the things that are important to us for our life so that we can continue to evolve, including money. That was a big thing for me. Yeah, which I want to get to. But like that is some serious self-work, though. Like that is some serious like pivoting and looking inward. And I know just from like clients and folks that I speak with, some people aren't quite there yet. What what would you share to maybe get somebody to the point of really doing that additional work to kind of delve in to to see that? Because that's that's hard. That's hard work. Yeah. You know what? The the mantra that everything's going to be okay. I probably adopted that when I was about 25, 26 years old. I had already been through so much in my life. And there came a point where I'm crying, you know, very, I'm just a very emotional person in general. And I'm crying and I'm, I'm just like, woe is me, victimhood. And I just, I don't know, at some point I just cleared my face and I'm like, I've done so much. Like I've gone through so much and I'm still here. Like I made it. Everything is okay. And it just really started to become my my motto for life. Like what is the problem? What is the solution? What is the problem? What is the solution? I always stayed curious. I always stayed in a path of student versus teacher. So I'm constantly asking questions. I'm constantly um, diving in, reading, researching, and realizing that like I have the power to alter things. I have the power to change things and reassuring myself that I'm capable and that everything is going to be okay, I think really helped me journey through um, with more of a light versus in complete darkness. Yeah. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing. Gosh. So you you made some mentions in, in your story and your experiences to also, I mean, obviously finances are intertwined and money is intertwined significantly in that. Was there, we talk about money memories, right? Was there a money memory for you as a younger person or as a child that kind of put you on that path per se, or helped mold that relationship with money to put you where you were? Um, I mean, there's, there's been so many. The biggest one that I talk about as a female, minus all the ups and the downs and the story that I've told, that I just told, I was probably, I don't even know, 12 years old. Uh, my family, mom, dad, me and my sister were sitting down. My brother was probably really, really little because we're 10 years apart. Um, he's younger than me. And we were watching like some sort of Beyonce or Jennifer Lopez or Janet Jackson or something on the TV doing a music video. And my sister and I were just like, what? Wow. So beautiful. Must be so cool to have so much money. And we were little, right? Like I'm the oldest. and I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. And my dad immediately popped up. And or, you know, like piped up and he said, be careful what you idolize because the, that woman has sold her soul to the devil. And I have, I carry that even till today. Um, 
it's been a lot of work because there's this pull of, do I believe that I had to sell my, sell my soul to the devil to acquire what I have acquired? No, because I know I have not sold my soul to the devil. The issue is, does my dad think that I have sold my soul to the devil? Or is he seeing me sell my soul to the devil as I am rising in influence, in money, in, you know, um, in my career? So um, getting over the limiting belief of is that real has been healed. However, there's still that hang up of like, as I'm growing, my dad is viewing me as a negative versus a positive. Wow. Wow. And I wonder, not that we can speak for your dad, but I wonder if that goes back to a childhood money memory for him, or if that's just what he learned growing up through religion as well. Yeah. I've never talked to him. I don't even know if he knows unless he's listened to my, because I've told it a couple of times, but um, I've never even taught. He probably doesn't even remember. It was just a fleeting. This is why we have to be careful as humans. You know, we say things sometimes and we don't realize the impact that it's having. Yeah. Words are strong, very, very strong in all directions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, You've been through obviously a lot, right? With just your story and, and what you've experienced. So when it comes to money memories, we discussed that. But what about financial infidelities? Were there any that you, it sounds like you probably lived through some of that too, but any that you're open to to sharing or that folks could learn from? Yeah. Um, I'd like to also share another one that happened later in life of the memory, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, my uh, my ex, who financially abused me so bad, um, he would say to me on the regular, this is over a 15-year period, um, whenever I would get a little mouthy, as he would say, or or try to set a boundary or try to... Um, you know, voice my opinion. He would say two things to me. One of two things. He would say, whoever has all the money has all the power. Do you have any money? Oh. And the answer was always no, because he was paying me no money. (laughs) And the other thing he would say is, um, whoever makes all the money makes all the rules do you make any money? So the heaviness around a lack of money, a lack of power and a lack of voice and all of that, you know, being intertwined has really been a journey for me going forward as far as needing to consistently check in with myself on Being careful, this struggle between what is necessary, what is needed, what is wanted, and what is coming from a place of like winning. Um, it can get intertwined very easily with you with a dark place, you know, as far as wanting to prove 
something to somebody that I never even talked to anymore. So having to just constantly check in with myself to make sure that it's my drive, right? My ambition is coming from a place of me versus from a place of like getting back and resentment, jadedness, bitterness. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so really benefiting you instead of just a revenge move. Yes. Yeah. So something that I really have to check in with myself every once in a while, you know, every once in a while I'll say something and I'll be like, oof, that was not me. You know, that's coming from a not a good place. Um, because there is, I mean, there's still a lot of hurt. There's, I mean, I remember just sitting in the house sometimes and he's hovering over me and me just feeling so helpless. Like, what do you even say to that? You, you're like stuck. You know, when you want to lash out, you want to say something, you want to do something, you want to prove something, and there's nothing you can do, say, or prove. You're just a little puppy in the corner with, like, no way out. This heart. Thank you for sharing, because others are in a similar situation with their own journeys and probably, you know, at this point, wondering, how do I navigate? Yeah, exactly. Infidelity. It's hard for me um, because I feel like money has been used against me for so long. But if I'm really honest with myself, there was a time when I was a single mom, the woe is me single mom with no money. And I know that other moms deal with this so much. One of the things that I was so grateful for being in that predicament was growing up as a Jehovah's Witness because Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate any holidays, um, birthdays, Christmas, nothing. So I didn't have that heaviness of having to provide that stuff for my child because I never grew up with it. So it wasn't sad for me. However, other moms, I can't even imagine the guilt of like, you can't afford it. Like You can't afford to do it. But there's one so of the pressure, right? There's so there much is. pressure from so many different outside influences, whether that be media, culture, whatever, right? So much pressure there. It's so messed up. There was mom guilt of just wanting to provide. You know, I'm a single mom. I live in a one bedroom apartment. I have like no furniture. No, well, you have, I have a bed and my son has a playpen. And we have nothing. I mean, we literally have, I don't even have hangers to hang my clothes up. Like just everything is just neatly piled on the floor. We're just so broke. Granted, I I had my own little one bedroom place. So that it counts for something. But little things that I knew I couldn't afford and I knew I shouldn't be purchasing. And one that I will never forget. I was at Walmart and, um, and I'm literally living on pennies. Like to go to the store, I would have to dig through all of my pockets to like buy stuff, you know, like your coats and your, to like pull change out just to buy stuff. And I bought this, you're going to laugh because I'm making it seem like it's something big and it was so small. I bought uh, hand towels, matching hand towels, um, tan, red, and green, kind of like natural colors. Totally did not need them. Totally had some old rags that I got at Goodwill. Um, 
but purchased them, you know, on credit and feeling this heaviness of wanting to provide, wanting to like live up to the standards of what society says you need. You need to have matching kitchen towels. You need to have matching bath towels. You need to have matching silverware. You And nothing matched. You know, I had a fork from here, a spoon from there. I had, you know, I don't even know where I got my stuff from, which is odds and ends at, at garage sales and stuff. And having that pull of having to have a bath you know, for $12.99 when I literally do not have $12. Like I do not have $12 to my name and how much little stupid stuff like that I put on credit and did not quite still understand the concept of interest rates and falling into debt quickly the interest rate hitting me quickly over dumb stuff that was fed through guilt, mom guilt versus necessity. Um, And I remember turning around one day and it's just like four grand, which again, doesn't seem like a lot of money, but to me, it was, that was millions. That was literally a million dollars. That's how like far-fetched that was. And it wasn't that I bought $4,000 worth of stuff. It was the credit card debt that was piling it was up. The, it was yeah. the interest that was just killing me. Oh. I looked at it one day and I was like, what? And finally, like I laid them all out trying to figure it out because I just didn't know. And again, network, collaborating, you know, groups. I didn't have anyone to ask. I couldn't call my mom up. I'm not, you know, like, who am I going to call to ask about interest rates for credit cards? You just sound like a freaking idiot. You sound so dumb. Like, you know, I didn't do that. So I laid them all out, just trying to figure it out. There was no Google when I was, you know, I was like 22 years old. That was over 20 years ago. And so, yeah, you know, but a lot of moms deal with that. A lot of parents deal with that, just overspending, trying to fit this facade of whatever that means to be a person, not even a parent, just a person. And the debt that we put ourselves in in order to, and what's so crazy, and I tell this story, nobody ever came over. I had no friends. I had no community. I had nobody to brag to. I, I was in complete isolation during this time and still felt that need to like spend on just little trinkets that weren't even necessary at a really bad time you know now you bring up such a solid point right the again to date myself a little bit but the whole concept of keeping up with the joneses right like that whole concept psychologically that we're seeing and being bombarded with through media or through outside influences or whatnot right to have the shiny car or to have, you know, the bath mat, whatever that is, right? That's so true. So true. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing your journey. Goodness. So as we kind of start to wrap things up a little, I always like to ask, what are tips or tricks that you utilize money in your household? 
So that could be I'm, you know, buying vintage. That could be I shop certain days. That could be I lean into a budget or I have separate accounts for separate things. What are some things that you do that you think that maybe folks could learn from as well? Yeah. So in 2015, I started a money journal uh, and I, uh, I have never missed a month. My money journal consists of one full page of all of my money. So all of my accounts, all of my 401ks, all of my stocks, all of my um, savings, cash on hand, my safety deposit box, like everything and anything that I have regarding money and my credit score goes on one piece of paper and it's dated, including my credit cards. So even my balances on my credit cards, every single one of them, even if I haven't spent on it, even if they're sitting in a drawer somewhere and I never, ever take it out ever, everything is accounted for one to two times a month, every month in order for me to really uh, get a visual of where my money is at. And I cannot even tell you the impact of which that had in me taking my power back around my freedom, you know, around my money, forcing myself to look at where it was, even when it was down. There's so many times, like when it's down, you don't want to look at it. We play like, what is that? An ostrich. We just like put our head in the sand and we're like, we don't see it. That's not there. Right. And that's one thing that I got really good at. It's like my money's going down. I could flip the pages, right? So I could go two months prior and actually see it like, oh my God, there's a huge difference here. Or the opposite, which is always amazing when, you know, you flip it and you see it going up. But when it's going down, it's on your mind. You're seeing where it's at. You're seeing what accounts it's coming from. And you can immediately implement ways to make more money. So I'm a huge component on stop paying so much attention to where you're spending your money and start spending more time on how can you make more money. Um, so yeah, so when I see it, if it ever starts to fall, then I just check in with myself. Like, hey, we can need to dive in. We need to figure out ways to make more money. We need to start getting inventive. We need to start talking to more people, talking to strangers, networking, whatever it is. And that has saved me. Oh my gosh. It's been life-changing for me. I'll never stop till the day I die. I love that. That's actually from doing this podcast and recording. That is the first time I've heard a money journal. Are you serious? No, no. You are the no. first one. There's been, you know, budgeting and plenty of other, you know, things that folks do. But the first time I've heard a money journal. That's great. Yeah. It really helps you get real with yourself. You know, because you do like your account when your accounts are low, you just kind of like you're like. But you got to know, right? Like same thing, like for clients that are like, I haven't opened my statements in a while. Market's been a little volatile, right? Like 
You gotta know. Yeah. You gotta know. Like you gotta be on the same page and know what's happening, right? I agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a great way to do it to really take accountability for yourself, see what's happening, and move yeah. forward. And there's something to be said about doing it on paper too, right? You can do spreadsheets all day long, but I feel like on paper it's real, right? You're seeing yeah. it, you're a part of it, you're writing it. Like that's a different relationship yeah. you have. Yeah, totally. And I go all the way down to the penny. So even cash in my purse like I have a section for cash in purse or cash on hand so like I get to pull out all my cash like all my pockets all my purse my change and I just dump it and I count all the cash that's cash it's not just what's in your bank account it adds to your cash that is solid transparency right there yeah good well thank you so very much for spending some time with us and sharing your story I greatly appreciate it Thank you for having me. And hopefully those of you listening or watching will join us on the next Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management. 